Father, we, we thank you and we, we praise you for your goodness to us this morning. We thank you that your love never fails. Lord, let us hear from you this morning. Manifest yourself through me, Lord. Let, let your words be my words, Lord. Father, glorify yourself. Help us to draw closer to you. Thank you for this group of people, Lord, and their love for you. Lord, lift them up today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'd like to read to you from the Word of God. Why don't we all just stand in reverence to God, and I, I'm going to read. It's a very short stack text. You won't be standing long. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. You may be seated. That was the word of God from Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 18 through 21. Well, good morning. And I am so excited to be back here with my, my church family again and to my church family online. And if you're new here today to Crosswinds, my name is Ken. I, I, I just got back from a mission trip um, to bring the kingdom of God uh, to the people of Magori in uh, Kenya, Africa, Magori County. And um, there's going to be some slides that might show. It was an amazing, amazing trip. Our, a little team was able to bring the gospel to over 3,000 kids in elementary schools. And, and we shared the freedom of the gospel with hundreds of men and women uh, in a prison uh, in Kenya, both a male and, and female prison. We, we were able to help 430 people to be able to see better, providing them an eye exam with an optometrist and, and free glasses. Uh, and then each of those 430 people, um, we got to sit down with and have gospel conversations and, and pray for them individually. You know, our, our, our team had the opportunity to do what the Bible calls true religion, helping widows and orphans, giving them things that, that they needed to live for now and also the gospel so that they may live for eternity. We, we also got to encourage one another, spending 24-7 with each other. We got to encourage each other to, to, to do new things. We had the, the bonus of the trip of celebrating God's creativity and, and the abundance of his creation as we went on safari to a place called Maasai Mar, which is 500 square miles of, 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 of reserve where the animals are protected. And we just, it was during migration, we were able to see so many beautiful animals. Uh, I am so humbled that I uh, made a little decision 33 years ago to receive the, the gospel of, of Jesus. And, and because I made that decision, God has allowed me to take part in something like I just did this last week. I, I, don't, I couldn't even imagine doing something like that, but, but God is good. And I am so grateful and awed by the love and, and dedication to the gospel that our friends uh, Andre and Rena have from Hands on Africa. They're an amazing leaders. Out of nothing but faith and their little house in Romeoville, they have made a huge difference globally. 
globally, all over the world. And it's just amazing what their dedication and love has done. But my, beloved, my prayer for each person here is that you will give yourself the gift, the opportunity to go and serve with Hands on Africa in one of the countries they serve. You will be blessed more than you will end up giving to others if you do that. I believe the trip only cost me about $1,200. So, so where can you find lodging, experience a culture, eat home-cooked wonderful meals every night, have transportation flights and, and through safaris, and go on a safari, and, and do such important work? Where can you do that for so, such little money? I mean, when you really think about it, you would spend more than that just for a hotel in the Dells, Right? But here you have the opportunity to go and change people's lives. And I really want you to pray and think about how God might be able to use you. There were people, they had never done stuff like this before. And we did some training the first time. And they did amazing at what they did. We had one lady, Renita, first trip. She looked scared. She, she got there. She got so excited about everything that was going on with the orphans that she, I think it was 36 last total, I think, 36 new kids that she signed up with her friends back home. She's on the phone connecting with her friends and had 33 new kids signed up to the Box of Hopes programs that's going to provide Christmas to those children. I mean, God did things in people, and it's, it's, it's exciting. My, my message today is called, It's the Little Things. Little things like Renita getting excited. It's the little things. Since I got married, my wife has always told me it's the little things that are important to our relationship. It's not the big things. It's not the big gestures of love. It's not the ring or a dozen roses or a, a diamond tennis bracelet that really matters. Actually, for my wife, a wheelbarrow really matters, but um, she loves to garden. But um, it's really, even the wheelbarrow is not as great as the little daily things we do for one another that make a difference, right? It's those little acts of love. She's not a Hallmark holiday girl at all. She, she could care less about my performance on Valentine's Day or Sweetest Day. But if I pick up my clothes and clean the sink after shaving and help with the kids or offer help to clean up after dinner, that's what really gets to her heart. That's what really matters. It's not a, a box of chocolate on some made-up holiday. It's the little things, isn't it? And it's the same in our faith. I believe Jesus is saying to us in his parable here, it's the little things we do daily for the gospel that really matter and make a difference. As I reflect on my trip to Africa, it was the little things that I remember most. It, it, it was fun to have the opportunity to preach to a, a big audience there last Sunday and, and, and to see some big animals, but it, it was the little bit of time I get, got to spend with about 100 different individuals in Kenya that came for one-on-one -on -one counseling that I got to speak with and pray with that made the most difference to me. I, I believe those one-on-one -on -one conversations meant something to them as we had a gospel conversation and, and, and prayed about things that were important to them. Jesus was never concerned about the big crowd. He often left the big crowd to have a conversation with just one person, like he did with Peter. Left a whole beach full of people he's preaching to talk with one people. And his movement or ministry started from 
that relationship and Peter's friends. I, I, I don't believe it was necessarily Jesus' sermons, which are amazing, that changed the world as much as the little acts of restoring love he did on a daily basis that started this great movement we call his church. Today, I want to look at at, at two little parables that I believe should speak some big truths to our heart about the power of his good news in the lives of ordinary people. And he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and what shall I compare it to? I mean, Jesus is is trying to find a comparison and and he doesn't say, I don't compare it to a bunch of seats in an auditorium filled with people. He he doesn't say that that is the kingdom of God or or, or, or a big ornate temple or or worship space and a great praise band and a a, a dynamic preacher. That's not what he compared his kingdom advancing to. You know, when you see the word therefore in scripture, and he started this this verse out with therefore, you need to stop and think for a moment, what is it therefore? Every time you see that in scripture. Because what happened previously was significant to this text. Jesus had just brought the kingdom of God to a poor, disabled woman, unimportant in her society. And with just a few words and touching her, He transformed her entire life. He said, woman, you are freed from your disability. The the woman was disabled because she lived under the oppressive authority of Satan and his kingdom. And a, a little word from Jesus declaring her free, putting her under the authority of the kingdom of God, which is her design or his design for her life, was 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 such a simple thing, a simple act. A simple act of authority over her. But it had a tremendous impact on her life. And and beloved, this is what the gospel of Jesus does for us. Now, the religious were very upset because Jesus disrupted their big religious show, their their system, and and the Sabbath. But it was these little acts of mercy to poor, unknown people who seemed unimportant like this woman, that Jesus changed the world. It was not with some superior religious philosophy. Jesus' teaching was very simple. I love teaching in Africa because the, 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 the materials for preaching Jesus are so good. There's a cow over there. We can talk about a cow. There's a plant growing over there. Jesus used agricultural basic examples. Jesus said his gospel or the kingdom of God is like the grain of a mustard seed that a man took and he sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in his branches. See, Jesus sowed the gospel into this woman's life and it did something great we're still talking about. And his adversaries were just simply put to shame And then the people rejoiced in something as simple as just changing this woman's authority. It transformed everything. The gospel is a simple truth that if we receive it, it changes our 
whole life. It, it, it starts to transform everything. It's, it's like a tiny seed that grows, making everything in us new. You know, one night 34 years ago, I, I, I made a, a simple little decision to make Jesus the authority of my life at a friend's dining room table. It, it, it was a seemingly insignificant event. Nobody reported it on the news. Most could not even see any change in me. But it has changed everything in my life. That little decision revolutionized my marriage, my financial life, my career, how I treat everyone on a a daily basis, and, and where I will spend eternity. You know, my friend Mark just spoke a couple of words to me that I accepted as true. And that changed the eternal destiny of hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people on a worldwide basis. That same little decision was why I was in Africa helping people to see with their eyes and to see God with their hearts. In this trip alone, close to 4,000 people were affected by that little seed Mark planted in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like. It's like that tiny mustard seed, the tiniest of seeds, one to two millimeters. It's not very much. And yet it can grow a tree that can be 20 feet high and 20 feet wide. There's great power in the simple little seed of the gospel. So many Christians have very little impact in this world because they they want to do something big for God, but that they they never get out and have a a gospel conversation because they are afraid they won't be good at it. You know, we had a school cancel on us, and somehow the idea became that like we should just stop. There's a bunch of guys with motorcycles and 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 preach the gospel. So I got out with the team and. Rena said, you're on, and I just pulled out my juggling stuff, did a quick show, attracted about 40 people, and preached the gospel, and we had seven come forward to give their life to Jesus. Simple little thing. No planning, but it was the gospel, the truth of the gospel, that we don't even know what that seed will do. We're always looking to do something great, but maybe we just need to do Jesus is saying, don't try to be great. Plant the seed in love in ordinary people and let that seed grow and be great. Mark loved me enough to face his fears and plant that seed in me. You know, last time I hung out with my friend Mark was 30 years ago. He has no idea of this place or all the great things planting that seed has done. Our, our team planted a lot of seeds when we were in Megori, Kenya. And we'll probably never know the impact until we get to heaven of what we planted. But each of those little acts of love that, that we all performed as a team will, will bless those we touched in, in ways that we never even intended for them to be. Like the parable says, the birds rested in the tree. You know, someone planted a seed into Andre's life. 
And, and Rena, his wife, watered that seed with her prayers because, like me, Andre was pretty rough. <laughs> and my wives have watered me too, right? But now there are thousands of churches in Africa, thousands of pastors being trained to plant more churches. It all came from one faithful disciple who was willing to invest and to plant into Andre. And then Andre was willing to plant and invest into others. And Rena was willing to jump in. And, and, and Jesus is saying to us, the gospel is not just a bunch of religious words to make us feel better about our lives and our eternity. Jesus' gospel is a, is a living seed that has truths that tr- transform our lives and those around us. The, the, the gospel of Jesus has the power of life in it. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. The gospel, friends, is a seed. It, it has the power to change our lives in a positive way. It has the power over our sin. It has the power over the devil's influence in our life. It's simple truths change us from death to life, according to the scriptures. The Christian faith is not a religion. It's not going to a church that changes us. It's the power of the gospel. In Kenya, when I had the privilege to counsel all these hundred people as they came for eye care, I asked them, have they received the gospel? And I prayed for their needs. But I asked them a very specific question. I said, if they knew Jesus. And you know, in Kenya, 90% of the people said, I think 99% of the ones I talked to said, yes, I know Jesus. And then I asked them, how did you come to know Jesus? And what many of them said to me is, I went to church, or I heard about him in church, or I got baptized. But Friends, that is not knowing the man, Jesus, and his gospel. You can come to church and learn all the facts about a mustard seed, its color and its size and the best time to plant it, but that does not transform you until you plant that mustard seed inside you. The power of the mustard seed is when it grows in you, not the information about it. Many of us, or many of the people that I talked to had information about Jesus, but they did not have Jesus inside them. So I asked one of those men like this, has he forgiven your sins? It takes power to do that. His power is to fulfill the promise And it takes your power to believe by faith his promise. And and then I asked him, have you accepted the gift of everlasting life? And that again takes the power of God's promise to give it to us freely. And it takes our faith to accept that we have received it. See, today you can know for sure you are forgiven. You can know for sure that you have eternal life. Not because the power is in this information, but the power is in the promise of the seed. 
because it's God's word. The power is in the seed of his gospel. See, many that I spoke to in Kenya were fans of Jesus. They, they went to church, but they did not have the power of the seed until we spoke. They, they knew the churchy answers. Yes, I know Jesus. But they had not received the promise of the seed themselves. When I asked some of them if they had been forgiven of their sins, they did not know. One of them was a pastor. When I, when I asked someone who was supposedly a Christian, he was wearing fancy religious garb, and I asked him how I could pray. You know what he asked me to pray for? That he would have eternal life. He had all the religious clothes. He went to church, but the seed was not growing in him. I had, I had to plant the seed of the gospel again into him so that it, it could grow in him personally. And thankfully, he received it that day and was saved. The man was going to church, but no one had ever planted the seed in him. Maybe everyone assumed the seed was planted in him because he was at the church. He was interested in what the seed could do. But that wasn't enough. It was not yet living in him. And beloved, that does not just happen in Kenya. It's happening right now in every church in the USA. Many people have assumed that the seed is planted because they know about the seed. But the seed has to be accepted into the soil of the heart for its power to be effective. You know, at Crosswinds, we have a simple method to sow the seed. We call it the three circles. And I'm going to take a minute to share, of you, share it with you again. And some of you may be thinking, not this again. Ken, we have heard this. heard you tell us this before. Tell us something new, something interesting. And hey, I'm just to tell you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God, not in interesting information. The angels long to look at the gospel according to the scriptures. And, and if you have received the seed, you will love to hear about the seed. See, God has a perfect design for our lives. He has a design for how we're to treat one another, a design for how our marriages are supposed to look, a, a design for how we raise our kids, a, a design for how our bodies are to be healthy. And it's all based on his love for us. His design is based on love. Jesus was once asked, what is the greatest commandment? And, and, and he said, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But friends, there is a problem here and in Africa and everywhere and in me that we all depart from God's perfect design. We run away from his ways. And this departure is called sin. And we all do it according to the Bible. And when we do, we end up broken. Our hearts become broken. Our dreams become broken. Our lives become broken. Our bodies become broken. We live in a broken world because of this. None of us like this feeling of brokenness that we feel. 
And, and so we develop strategies to deal with this. Some of us try to distract ourselves with the, in the arms of a man or a woman in an affair or, or pornography. Some of us do it with food. That's one of the ways I've tried to escape. Some of us try to do it with buying things to make ourselves feel better. Some of us try to do it with entertainment. Some of us try to do it with drugs and alcohol. Some of us try to do it with religious information. Some of us try to do it with self-improvement. And while for a while those things might make us feel better, they do not really solve the problem of our brokenness. Instead, as those squiggly lines shows, we just continue to move further and further from God and become more broken. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it only leads to death. Now, most people don't like to think about death because it's a reminder that our way doesn't work ultimately, but there is another way. And it's called the gospel or the good news of Jesus. See, God sent his perfect son, his perfect design down to us. And he loved people and he cared about people and he stood up for people and he healed people. But because we are broken, God allowed for him to be put on a cross to die. But before Jesus died, he said something incredible. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He was saying about the very men that had nailed his hands and his feet to the cross and taunted and shamed him and spit upon him. But he said something else very interesting before he died. He said, it is finished. When he died, God put all of his goodness, all of Jesus' goodness, his eternal goodness on us, which forgave all of our sin. And then all of our sin and all of our shame was placed on him. And our sin was put to death in his body. And it was buried in the grave. But then on the third day, he walked out of the grave, alive again, alive forever. And friends, that proved two things. One, he had the power to forgive my sins and your sins. And two, he had the power to give you the gift of everlasting life. And, and if you will turn from your own solutions that are leaving you broken and turn to him, which is called repentance, and believe in what he has done for you on the cross and follow him, that seed will be planted in your heart and he will help you recover your life and pursue God's perfect design again and part of how jesus heals us is sending you and i back into a broken world again to continue to share the seed because this seed is alive and it gives life both to the one hearing it and receiving it and the one sharing it and receiving it today friends where are you in those three circles i want you to think about it is that just information to you where are you at and what do you need to do now you can believe in god's design for life i think most in the church do most people in the world believe there's a god and he has a design but that does not mean you have the life of the seed you might know and believe that you're broken 
and that this is a, a broken world that we live in. Yes, you see the problem, but seeing the problem or being upset about the problem does not mean you have the solution. You must repent. You must turn away from your own solution and, and turn and believe in God's solution. Transfer your authority to God just like the woman. See, the problem is that you and I have adopted another authority. And it's only solved. This problem is only solved when you surrender your authority to God's authority. See, I, I died that night when Mark shared the gospel with me. I didn't show him very much emotion. He had just planted a seed. But I got to my car and I cried for a half hour because I knew I died. My life was not my own anymore. It was God's. I surrendered my life to the authority of God. Because I believed in what he had done for me. Today, you need to believe in what he has done for you, that he died for your sin, that he put your sin to death in his body and that he was buried and that on the third day he rose again and he walked out of the grave. That the grave no longer has any power over you because of that. That he has given you freely the gift of eternal life. You know, I've never been afraid of death since that night at Mark's house. Today, if you, if you believe your sins are forgiven and that you have the gift of eternal life, you have received the seed. You have faith in God's solution. And if you, if you don't have that yet, you just have the power of religion, not the power of the gospel. Friends, religion can't save you. Only believing in the gospel, in the seed, which is the power of God, can. Now, the truth of the gospel is not just for salvation. It's the power of God for you to recover and pursue God's perfect design for your life. So the gospel is something you need to look at and believe every day of your life. Every time you fall into brokenness because you need to return or you have returned to living under your own authority and you need to get return again, turn back and, and, and go back to God's authority for your life again. See, the gospel gives you the power to love others as this seed grows daily in you. The gospel, it, it has the power to thrust you into uncomfortable situations, to thrust you back into a broken world, to help others and to share that seed with others. And I think this is what Jesus is talking about, the seed. He's talking about the gospel and what it can do. Now, Jesus gives us a second parable here. And he said, again, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? And he doesn't come up with some big temple talks about a microorganism. See, I don't believe Jesus is repeating himself with another parable. I, I, I believe he's teaching us something else about the kingdom of God through it. See, I believe in the first parable, Jesus is telling us when we accept the love of God in Jesus, it, it just grows in us like that mustard seed. But in this second parable, Jesus is teaching us what should happen in the world around us as a result of his love being planted in us. 
how, how the gospel growing in us affects our world. Jesus says, it is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Leavened is yeast, and we use that to make bread. Bread is something we all eat in about every culture to live and, and to thrive. And Jesus calls himself the, the bread of life. And then when his gospel gets into us, it causes something like yeast. It causes replication. Yeast feeds on sugar and the flour. Like we are to feed on the goodness of Jesus every day as we follow him. And, and yeast, this process, produces carbon dioxide, which, which adds air to the bread and it makes the bread rise. And as we feed on Jesus in his gospel, he becomes lifted up. He rises in the world. He is lifted up by our, our replication of his love as, as we feed on his sweet goodness. See, yeast is a single-celled living organism. So we first must be alive through the gospel to reproduce. Yeast reproduces asexually by budding off and, and, and creating a new cell from itself. Jesus grew his kingdom and the world by making disciples who made disciples, by replicating himself, replicating his love in others. As the love of God grows in one disciple, it, it, it buds off, reproducing itself, making another disciple. I wanted to go to the next slide and show you a, a, a short video of yeast. If you could turn on the volume to the computer, please. It's very exciting. Turn it up. That is the example Jesus used as the spread of his kingdom. That's what's going on in Africa because of hands on Africa and others. It's replicating new churches, new birth, new disciples. See, the church is not an institutional organization. It's an organic system like the yeast. God created man in his own image, and he made him to live by his design. And then he said to the man, be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. And in that case, in the Old Testament, he was talking about sexual reproduction. But then after man fell into sin and the world became broken, he sent Jesus to plant this seed in us to restore God's design us, making us sinful, and, and to multiply asexually like the yeast with his gospel to restore his creation again. And if we live under his power and authority, by the power and the authority of his gospel as his disciples, friends, we must multiply. We are all to be multiplying. One cell that multiplies into other cells. Jesus often used 
organic parables like this to show how the kingdom grows. We use one here to train with at, at Crossman's called the Four Fields. It's an organic model that you can actually find in the scriptures that shows how Jesus spread his gospel in the world. Unfortunately, because man has departed from his design, many in religious institutions do not follow his model. See, in, in the Four Fields model, Jesus, the farmer, goes out into an empty field. Think of the field as a human relationship, like Jesus meeting this woman, someone without the power of the gospel. Then Jesus plants the seed of the gospel into that field. And, and as people start to obey the seeds of the gospel planted, as they start to grow, as they start to accept his authority, transferring all of their authority to him, they grow like a plant. And, and, and as they follow him, he starts to gather them together in the third cell in, 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 into groups or, or, or churches. And then, you see that middle part? That's replication. That process is repeated as people are sent back out into new fields of human relationship, like the yeast. New disciples are birthed from each disciple through the power of the gospel. And this is how the church is designed and, and is supposed to work. The problem is we have made it an institution. We expect one guy to do all the budding from stage. Well, everybody else sits. Which is not the replicatable way that yeast works or how the plants of the field grow. If the gospel is alive and that seed grows like everything else in God's creation, Life is transferred, not from one guy on a stage, but from one disciple to another disciple by God's love through the truth of the gospel. Friends, if you're not replicating, then are you alive in the gospel? Yeast that is not replicating is either dead or dormant. To come alive, yeast needs to be activated. And for yeast to be activated, they need three things. First, they need food. Yeast feed on the sugar in the flour. And like I said, Jesus is our food. His goodness is our food. And as we munch on that, Jesus said we are to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. As we munch on that, we start to bud and replicate like yeast. Second, yeast needs moisture to be active. We need the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to me, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, Jesus said that about the spirit whom those who believed in him were about to receive. As yet, the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been glorified. So through the gospel, through belief in the gospel, the spirit comes. And as we believe in the gospel, we receive the Holy Spirit as living water that helps activate the growth of his kingdom. The Holy Spirit guides us in the truth of God's word or design. If we're not living our lives in the truth of God's word, we will not have the spirit active and so there will be no replication the third thing necessary for replication is a controlled warm environment and i believe for disciples it is the fellowship of believers we are to activate each other by our love that comes to us through the gospel so that we will reproduce yeast grows best in a temperature between 100 degrees and 110 degrees you know on this trip uh to africa there was the the right 
temperature among the 12 of us for love to replicate. Everyone had a servant's heart. No one was complaining. I didn't hear a single complaint for 10 days. All were focused on the gospel and Jesus's word. Friends, at Crosswinds, we, we, we developed a cultural statement that is, is supposed to help us keep things at, at the right temperature for God's love to naturally grow and replicate in us. Jesus will replicate his gospel naturally when the environment is right. That's why encouragement is one of the top priorities in our, in our, in our cultural statements because criticism kills that replication process. In, in scriptures, most of the time, yeast is a sign of evil or sin, most of the times. But here, Jesus is not using it that way. See, sin naturally replicates in any environment. It's not fussy. But the kingdom replication happens in a, a consistent environment of love, an environment that is too hot from anger and conflict because of hatred will keep yeast from being active. Also, a, a cold environment without any passion or love or care for one another will keep yeast from, from becoming active. Salt also inhibits the activation of yeast, like our, our harsh words in the body of Christ to one another will, 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 will keep us from being activated. Also, too much sugar. Too much sugar will inhibit the activation of yeast. We will not be active if we only hear the, the sweet truths we want to hear and not what we need to hear. Our second culture is productive feedback. We, we need in a loving way to hear the truth. It's not all sweetness, but it's not all salt either. True grace acknowledges the truth of our sin and also the truth of God's love for us in spite of our sin. God's grace to us that comes through the gospel is the right temperature for disciples to replicate and grow when we show that to one another. Jesus said that the woman hid the yeast in three measures of flour. You know, friends, that's almost six pounds of flour. That'll make a whole lot of bread. It's 100 loaves of bread. And just a little yeast made all that bread to rise. Made 60 pounds to rise. Just a, a little yeast hid in, hid in the flour. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is just the power of the gospel in just a, a few disciples that it can have a, a, a great effect. Crossman's, I want to encourage you. This, this church has a great effect around the world. We're just a few disciples. Often, true disciples are a minority in the world, but they still have a powerful effect in it. In Kenya, we were a team of 12 there for only eight days in the field, and yet we had a, 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 an amazing impact over 4,000 people because of the power of the gospel. Now, if we consider that maybe other seeds were activated while we were there by our love, then what, what is the reach? You know, we talked through translators, and, and by the end of the trip, I found my translators were ahead of me. 
they were preaching the gospel. They knew it so well. We left trained disciples, people that could pastor and people that could share the gospel because they become activated. On the first night of the trip, I trained four of our team members, three circles. They had never shared the gospel with that before. But in the environment of love and with the simple seeds of truth in their hand, those, those ladies started replicating. It was not just Rena or Andre or I that showed the gospel. I don't want to make this about us. It was the team. We were like yeasts, replicating, replicating. A yeast cell on its own, friends, will, will not bring much leaven. If you come each week to watch this yeast cell, that's not the church. But a bunch of us in the right environment together can raise Jesus mightily in our world. Gospel replication requires you to be in fellowship with other believers so that you become activated. Beloved, today, where are you at in those three circles? Have, Have you implanted that seed in your heart? Have you received the gospel, repented of your sins, and believed If that seed's not in you, how can it grow in anybody else? It has to be in you first. Friends, where are you on the four fields? Are are, are you replicating? Are are you entering new fields? Notice the text in the first parable says, the man sowed a seed in his garden. Friends, do you recognize that you have a garden? Whatever your relational network is, your oikos map is your garden. Are you sowing in it right now? Gardens are human relationships where we sow the seeds of the gospel. It could be your children. It could be your family. It could be your school friends. It could be your co-workers. It could be your teammates. It could be your Bible study um, friends, your neighbors, or the people you see every day in the world. That's your garden, friends. And and seeds are meant to be planted. No power is released if the seed is not planted. And if you're not planting them, you're not responsible to make them grow. The the power's in the seed. But I think a lot of us are not planting because we're worried about our own power to do so. Friends, the, the power is not in you The power is in the seed. A healthy plant naturally produces seed. If if you're never having gospel conversations, then are you a healthy, maturing disciple? Even if you have a lot of Bible knowledge? Are, are, Are you putting yourself every week in the environment that causes replication? Are you regularly in God's word, feeding on the sweetness, the goodness of Jesus? Are you in a life group, enjoying the fellowship of God's people so that you can become activated like those yeasts by being all around each other? Is there that right temperature of love, a culture of love around you because you are 
adding your love to the mix, that, that we are loving and serving one another and helping one another and not complaining about one another. Friends, stop looking to do something big for the kingdom. It's in the little things that we make a difference in his kingdom, Jesus is saying. In, in our reading his word and fellowshipping with him daily, it's, it's coming to serve and to worship him with others in this church so that you can become activated in this warm temperature, so that you can face a cold and a hot world. Come here where it's warm in his love. Are, are you committing yourself to fellowship with other believers each week in a life group so that you learn and have the seed of the gospel in your heart constantly? Beloved, it's natural for a disciple of Jesus to replicate if they will just do the little things. Today, I want you to ask yourself, what a, what a little thing that I mentioned are you not doing? And just ask yourself, could it be that such a little thing as that is what's holding up this natural process Jesus is talking about for us being healthy, replicating disciples? Jesus describes the kingdom of God as org organic. And because of that, it has to have the right elements for growth. Organic things grow in the right nutrients, in the, in the right environment. What little thing must you add or maybe take away so that you might start replicating according to God's design for your life? Beloved, what if we all, everyone in this room, just did the little things? just turned to Jesus and accepted the seed as true every day by faith and, and focused our hearts on that seed constantly. God's word says that's where the power is. What if we all maintained a garden mentally, looking for opportunities in our garden, places to sow the seed in the relationships that we have? and the relationships that God has put us into. What, what kind of change could God make in our community? What, what kind of change could God make in our schools, in our churches, in our social group? If we, we daily allowed the power that is in the gospel to tr transform each of us today, if you have not, will, will you receive the seed by faith and let it grow in you. Maybe you've received it, but it was just information. You need to receive it as alive, fresh and new again today. Friends, can you imagine what God could do if the 70 or so that are listening to me right now here and online would just commit to sow the gospel into ourselves and to others daily and replicate? How, how, how would that change the world if we just did the little things to create the right environment of multiplication 
so that his love could grow in our world. Today, the three circles would tell us that we need to turn from our ways and turn to his way to repent and believe in the power of that seed that can do things we can't even imagine. Paul says that, 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 that Jesus can do abundantly more than we can even think or imagine in us. The power of a seed breaks concrete, friends. You ever seen that? You can go look in our back lot. It's breaking up our parking lot. The power of nature. Let that seed be implanted in your heart. What, what would happen in this place if we, we just focused on the seed? Let us pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your word. Father, in it are things that I don't expect, things that I've never seen. And Father, I, I think that you have a word to us today of what we need to do right now as a church. Father, I think for some, we have a, a word of what they must do to have life. Father, today, let them not just know about the seed. Everybody knows about the seed. Let them implant that seed in their heart because you want to bring a crop a hundred times fold of what is sown in them. You want to give them eternal life. You want to give them forgiveness for their sins. Oh, Father, do a mighty work. Let us be like those little yeasts that just go crazy. Let us change this world through the power of your love. Father, do a mighty work. Lord, today you may need to do it in one individual. But Lord, I know that that will spread just like that yeast. Father, let us make a commitment in our hearts to what you have done for us. And let that love grow throughout our world. In Jesus' name I pray. Today, if you've not received the seed, why don't you all stand? I'll be over here. I'd love to pray with you. Love to encourage you as you turn.